0: Tonight's guest is the one and only Chris Painshab from Badlands Herpet Culture. Uh, Chris and I recorded an episode, just the two of us, back in December, and it all went to hell, as most things do when I try to do this by myself. So this is our redemption episode with Chris. Um, But before we bring Chris on, uh, we have to do our banter. Banter tonight is going to be exceptionally short (laughs) for the simple fact that Clint and I were literally doing this exact thing 24 hours ago. Uh, so, um, But there has actually been a small development in my world. Uh, what, uh, what time was that? About four hours ago, uh, one of the our animal care specialists, as we call her, who's basically the equivalent of our lead keeper, gave me a call. Um, she's only been working here for about four months, and she said, uh, should the poplin python have eggs? And I said, well, that depends. Was it with a male? And then she said, it's been with the female for months. And I said, that's obviously the male. <laughs> and so we now have a clutch of Pop and python eggs, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, yep. Uh, five eggs and three slugs. But pythons have been my immortal enemy because <laughs> I, I can never tell they're freaking gravid. Uh, Like a colubri gets all fat at the back end Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the damn pythons hide it better than anyone. So um, the fact that we actually got the eggs early and they're pearly and white, not disheveled, which is the way I normally find python eggs, is pretty cool. So that is my one development in the past 24 hours. Any developments with you,
1: Clint? Oh, well, let's see. I mean, so much, Zach, so much. (laughs) Uh, You know, I would say that... uh, in the past 24 hours, uh, we've had some ball python clutches that have hatched. You know, um, I, I, I keep watching the the one species I have that I tend to get kind of a variance on uh, when it comes to hatch dates are the green bush rats, the Prisina. Uh-huh. And that's because I, I pretty much I, I incubate those at room temperature. I, I found that mm-hmm. I get a, a higher uh, hatch rate when I do that. And so, since that fluctuates a little bit, it's not like a you know on day sixty they're they're going to pip. So I find myself multiple times a day walking by and checking those (laughs) eggs because I'm like, Mm -hmm. come on, come on, any day now, (laughs) any day now, right? Um, But I I would say as far as any developments, there's not been anything you know major. But there's one funny little moment that I'll share with everyone today that as I'm I'm sitting here in the shop, um, one of the top things we sell are are dubia roaches, you know, feeders, feeders in general, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm counting out cups of dubia roaches. And I'm thinking to myself, if 18-year-old me had been told (laughs) that at 41, your job, your workday would consist of hand-counting roaches, I would have seriously... Taking a hard look at old me's life choices, <laughs> y- you know what I mean. It's, yep. So couldn't help but chuckle at myself. I mean, because it's yeah. like, no, buddy, this is what you wanted.
0: Yep. This is
1: this is you living the dream, yep. right? So, mm-hmm. But uh, no, since uh, since we last talked, man, not a whole lot going on other than still playing a lot of catch up from you know hauling in that big collection mm-hmm. um, that the the quarantine area. While everything is now, all the animals, of course, are put away and and the racks are situated the room still looks like shit (laughs) it's it's like if if you ever like packed up for a show you know and the way your snake room looks Mm -hmm. after that when you've come that's what it looks like and it's driving me crazy because it's just trying to bounce in and out of there to get that put back together while still running the store and you know all the counting roaches and you know every little thing that needs to be done so um but that's that's about it on my end right now buddy
0: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking. It's that weird feeling when you're like reorganizing, and you're reorganizing to clean, and then you have that moment where you're like, "Yes, it's all gone," and then you just turn around and it looks like a freaking missile hit your garage. That's what happens to me. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. just like there's stuff everywhere.
1: There's and you're afraid to set something down because then you can't find it because there's so Mm -hmm. much stuff everywhere. Yep. So yep, exactly. I
0: I did something fun. I was pulling eggs over the weekend from. one of my locality kings. And, you know, I pulled the drawer out because I, I, while they can live in vivariums, all the gravid females go to racks because it's just easier. Mm -hmm. And I got my phone out and I took a picture because that's how I keep tabs of everything. And then my son came and talked to me and I closed the drawer. And then for the next three hours, I frantically was looking everywhere for my phone. (laughs) And it was in with the king (laughs) snake. (laughs) Because <laughs> I put it down in the tub, you know, to, to you know, put it on the fir- first flat surface to go. Yep. Yep. And I kept hearing it in the garage. That's where the animals are. And I was like, what the hell? Like, it's in here, but it's not in here. And then I did it one more time when the lights were off and the tub started glowing. I was like, oh, OK, I got it. Yeah.
1: Now. Yeah. So. I'll tell you. So my phone is solid black. The case is solid black. <laughs> and of course, when the screen's not lit up, everything's black. You can probably guess what color all of my racks are Black. as well. Exactly. <laughs> and so I cannot tell you how many times I just I sit it in a slot somewhere while doing mm-hmm. something. Can't find it. And, I mean, when I do find it, I tell myself, hey, you're a grown man. <laughs> how many times are you going to do this same thing before you yep. realize? Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop. So. <laughs> anyway.
0: Okay. Technical difficulty, but we made it through. So our guest tonight, one more time, is Chris payne of Badlands Herpetoculture. Chris has a podcast of his own uh, with Justin Smith, which is Corn Stars, on the Herpetoculture Network, the other network. Uh, with that being said, Chris is a well-known geckophile and big-time colubrid keeper. And we did, like I said before, we did an episode on locality that will forever be just Chris and I's. Because Bullshit went down and it wasn't reported. So yeah. <laughs> anyway uh, There'll so there be gremlins between us man There are gremlins And they just showed up so hopefully they've died In the past two minutes Gosh, So that being said so. Welcome to Colubrid and Clubroid Radio Chris Absolutely so excited to be on guys Alright sweet So uh, Your story's been told On multiple podcasts But we always give our guests the opportunity to tell it again so with that being said, if you don't mind, uh, how Absolutely. did you end up having 100 snakes in your house? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: it, you know, young age, uh, I, I was always obsessed with being outside and doing things like that. Of course, the dinosaur thing and, I, 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 you know, every young young boy's story. Um, I, I At a young age, my parents knew that I liked animals. Uh, and, and adjacently, my mother had a turtle. Uh, it, it died at 35 years old, a red-eared slider, um, just recently, about 2019. And uh, mm. I kind of always knew that you could keep animals in boxes, right? <laughs> uh, so I always wanted a pet. And I think, I think somewhere in that time, I got a, a, re- a red belly newt. Um, and, and the big thing that really kicked me off was I got into scouts, uh, into Boy Scouts and and was just blasted open into the natural world, right? Uh, learning about animals and, and and seeing animals in the wild and hunting and fishing and stuff like that. Uh, and, and man, what really just broke me was, I'm guessing around 1997, uh, I was probably 12 or 13 years old, my dad brought home a pair of gold dust day geckos uh, that a guy that worked with him Uh, was like a reptile importer of all things. Uh, And he was like, hey, uh, he said you could have these. So I set them up and and goodness, uh, I got a Felstuma book. I still have the book. Uh, And that kind of led into me being obsessed with reptiles. Uh, I bred those. Uh, I remember produced my first babies in 1998, which was just amazing. Uh, You know, these tiny little things that did not want to survive, which was (laughs) a a tough thing to get through. Uh, But around that time, I met one of my mentors uh, who's Carl Vargas? Uh, South Texas geckos, uh, South Texas gecks actually. Uh, who's a huge gecko breeder? He breeds, uh, lichianus. Uh, at the time, we were we were both breeding bearded dragons and leopard geckos and stuff like that. A pretty strict rule in the house. Uh, my parents said no snakes, but they kind of were like, as long as it's clean and as long as nothing smells, you can do what you want in your room with reptiles. So I, I had the gamut of normal things uh, for that age. Uh, kept and bred chameleons and, and bearded dragons, and uh, a couple different species of day geckos. Day geckos are probably one of my favorite animals, uh, or, or genuses, Felsuma. Uh, I don't have any now, and that's maybe we'll get into it later, but as I get older, that's something I'll get back into. But uh, life is very fast for me, uh, and I and I and they are care intensive, uh, so I need things that I can be away from for a week at a time and uh, not feel too uh, egregiously <laughs> bad about. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they're, you know, you got to feed them a lot. and well, we're, we're not going to get too much into them. But, uh, yeah, so that led into kind of my slowly getting older, you know, went to school for a little bit, kind of thought about being a veterinarian, decided that I was really good with numbers, uh, went through the the gamut of things to become an engineer, which was tough. Uh, and then, I guess, always had snakes. Once I moved out, I moved out at 18, got a gray band of king snake, first snake I ever had, uh, oh. which was uh, such a great that's such a great idea is buy a gray banded king snake that eats yeah. for your first snake.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm I was, you know what I you said? Jaded. I'm like, y- you started with a day gecko as your first yeah. reptile. I'm like, who like, does that? The worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <And> I'm
0: like, <laughs> really? i mean,
1: yeah. how'd that happen? And then boom, then your first snake's a gray band. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you, you were just asking for it out of gate, gate. Yeah. Man. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and, and you know, but, but luckily I got one from a, from a, from a, from a breeder at a show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't remember who it was. I believe it was Don Soderbergh, but I or not Don. Yeah. Don Soderberg, or no, I'm sorry. Don Shores, Don Shores. Uh, and it was, you know, a long time ago, bought it at a show. Uh, and, and God just keeping raising that animal and, and it just, it's stacked up. You know, I had an apartment with, I think I had 30 snakes in my room and at the time I met, uh, this wonderful girl, uh, who really liked me and decided to ridiculously become my wife. Uh, and, and, and she has always supported it. Uh, and I, I never didn't have snakes, uh, and, and geckos and things. Uh, There's probably a period in there, especially when I was heavy into college, uh, where maybe I had a couple, but it was never an empty house. There's always something for me to take care of and collect. And, uh, you know, it really hit a few years before my daughter was born. I started getting more into the, okay, I'm a lot more financially stable. I was working on building my second house. And, uh, I kind of said to myself, I'd like to do this and maybe try to make a little money on the side, but most importantly, I'd like to, I'd like to start breeding snakes, uh, had bred geckos for my my whole life, you know, probably 20, uh, 22 years or so of, uh, gecko breeding experience, which is, which is good because you learn how to care for eggs and you learn how to, the the natural cycle of animals and, uh, what to do with the female after she's laid, uh, but decided to get into snakes and, and, and man, honestly, uh, was really drawn to a, a couple oddities and a couple very normal snakes got a lot of corn snakes uh, a few rat snakes uh started with chinese beauties somewhere in there and still one of my favorite species to keep and breed is chinese beauties uh o3 ophis are just amazing uh got deep dived into pitch man i i probably at one point i was very close to having pairs and breeding every species of pitch uh with the exception of some of the island uh the odd island gophers, which you are not easy to come across. And, and obviously the lineaticalas. I never got the chance to, to find or keep lineaticalas, uh, either of the, the subspecies. Uh, and still, there's a couple that I'm still looking for, you know, uh, and we could we could dive a little deeper than that. But, man, still, you know, I do something I do with my kid, you know, maybe six, seven, seven years of, of, of breeding snakes at this point. Uh, I've end two shows a year. Uh, I hate selling snakes. I, I hold back more snakes than probably anybody I know and then end up just giving them all away. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm, Zach, I'm, I know I sent you a couple boxes mm-hmm. last year. Anybody that's in the group chats that I'm in knows that I'm just like, all right, I've got 37 babies. Who wants what? Uh, yep. I, I have this odd thing that happens where I just don't want to deal with sales. Uh, I, I, I've, I've kind of d- removed myself from that and I'm getting better at it. Uh, but Gosh, yep. it's just been The people that I've met doing this, the friends I've made, uh, the 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 species I've gotten to interact with—it's just fully amazing. Uh, It's just one of the best hobbies. It's absolute family, you know. Uh, And and, and, you know, Dr. Laughman, meeting people like you—that God, who would have ever thought that me and somebody on the other side of the world would have ever become friends through herpetology or or reptiles—and you know, you've become somebody I I look up to,
0: uh, and also.
2: Consider very much a friend and it's 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 yep. been a great ride uh not planning on slowing down
0: did well hell there you go so then i guess our next question is <laughs> why colubrids oh. i know that you you've you've dabbled with some others but why colubrids? Yes, yeah uh, there, there's two reasons um one when all of my
2: beautiful rosy boas uh were breeding for me and doing so well uh, i found out that you cannot uh own boas pythons rear fanged <laughs> or a uh, gamut of other things in the city that i live in for uh some silly reason um it's literally a law you cannot have them uh, it's not a texas thing it's a it's a citywide thing so i decided steady, well, yeah i
1: thought texas kind of free range on a lot of this yeah, te- I, texas know,
2: is so, yeah wow um so that, that, that steered me in one specific direction, but at the same time, my collection kind of already looked like, you know, I had the rosy boas and they're they're gone now. Uh, but I had Alterna, I had Leonis, I had uh, Pichiophus, I had lots of corn snakes. I love, I love me a corn snake. Emryi, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Emryi complex animals. Um, and at the same time, you know, we, we I've got Lichianus, I've got a Gargoyle geckos. I've got a couple species of coleonics, I've I've got leopard geckos. Right, like I love me a leopard gecko. Uh, and, and and I and I learned a long time ago. Uh, I I got very lucky in my job position where the financials of a reptile hobby didn't hit me too hard. And I and so I never looked at like okay, well I've got to get the expensive stuff because that sells better. Or I've got to get ball pythons because that's where the market's at. It was always like fill your 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 room and your family and, and your heart with the things that you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're gonna be happy it's you're not gonna get burnt out there's stress god we get stressed right there's hardships yeah. zach knows some of the stuff i, I had i'd gone through a few years ago we, mm-hmm. we all have to find these things but what gets you through it is that passion and love uh that that really just defines it and that, i feel like that kind of defines my collection now um I, I think that if every law was lifted and i had all the space in the world I, I think you'd see my my, my collection look kind of uh, like a like a greater magnitude of what I've got now. I, I think I really narrowed down the species I enjoy, and I've weeded out some cool. species. There's there's a few things I don't want to keep anymore, um, and and that's part of it.
1: Can you tell us what the collection does look like now? Like I mean, you know, I know you've mentioned some, but
2: yeah, you know, um,
1: what are we what are we looking at?
2: So we, we we'll probably start uh, corn snakes. So I, so I have a lot of different morphs corn snakes. Um, and, and nothing too egregious uh you know i have a few uh projects i love i love sitting in my room uh, i have i have a lot of hobbies a lot of hobbies and i love the word projects it's just it just tingles me from the inside to the out and makes my toenails <laughs> toenails just curl right up uh, so i have lots of little micro projects um in, in that i have some locality corn snake stuff um i'm working with some wild caught corn snake stuff um that kind of derives into the eye complex. I've got, uh, I've got some really interesting meal morum. Uh, I've got some meal morum projects that I've kind of started through uh, friends that have said, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if somebody did this?" Uh, and I'm not, I'm not chasing, I'm not chasing a world's first or anything like that. I could, I could care less. Uh, I, I could care less if my name is on anything. I could care less if it was my line. What I, what I care about is these little micro ideas within my, with my, within my room. Um, so, so we go corn snakes, Emery eye complex. Um, I have had Stolwinsky eye, and I actually uh, uh, sent my trio to Ryan Cox. Um, not that I dislike them, uh, but I'll, I'll go through these little patches of okay. Today we're going to write down ten snakes we're getting rid of because we have to make some cuts. Um, I, have hmm. some obsoleta. Uh, I have some obsolita. I have some really neat posset albino uh, Gulf hammock rats. I've got some Everglade rats. Uh, I've got some really neat nueva Leon, uh, bear die, some Mexican bear die, uh, San Antonio zoo and, uh, Fort Worth zoo line stuff. Um, that bleeds into my Mexicana complex animals, lots of Leones, uh, tons of Leones, actually uh, a bunch of locality at Alterna. I've been blessed to, to be one of the people out there that have found an Alterna. Um, very lucky. I owe that to John Lasser, who's uh, become one of my mentors in the snake world and a great friend. Um, just you know, being local with him and crushing beers and talking snakes. Uh, a few Mex, a uh, few Mex Max. Not not the biggest uh, part of, of my collection. I do have some Greer Eye floating around. Oh goodness, I'm starting to look around. Um, I, I have one pair of Getula left. I used I used to have a few different pairs of Getula complex animals. Now I've got a pair of uh, Coelodad insurgens uh, conjuncta, true conjuncta uh, from the uh, Baja Peninsula. Um, really neat uh small locality of uh california king snake uh that i got a great story later on and y'all have to remind me uh why why she almost got her head ripped off the other day um <laughs> man what, what else what else we got going on oh so pitch office. uh so i <laughs> i completely forget that there's a whole other other side of the room um so uh black pines northern pines southern pines leucistic southern pines um i've got some gopher snakes still floating around uh, I've kept and bred Sonorans and bulls, uh, and had some really neat localities of both. I've had some wild caught uh, gophers that did really well with me, and I and I kind of cut gophers out of the collection. Um, and it wasn't necessarily because I didn't like them, uh, but when you're cleaning Pityoefus poop uh, in a room that's about 14 feet by 14 feet, and you're doing that seven days a week, you you, you might you might pick a couple to not stay. <laughs> um, and and, and yeah. I enjoy the uh, I enjoy the pine snakes so much um, that it, it kind of you know I, I started cutting those out. You know, Kankakee bulls great. I had some awesome wild caught uh, Clayburg bull snakes, um, but then kind of dives into the, the northern pine snakes or North Mexican pine snakes, uh, the Pitheophis Depi Jani, and, and I'd say that that's a pretty good portion of my collection. We've got you know I've got twelve or thirteen floating around here, uh, lots of pairs i've and we'll get into it i know later spent a lot of time finding different lineages uh from from the animals that I have um because it, it is an animal that's not imported uh and we do need to do a good job of outcrossing those as much as we can um, and then I, I do have uh Pichophus vertebralis vertebralis uh, which is just another spectacular species um but yeah again a lot of alterna you know probably probably 20 something alterna floating around here thirty. Twenty or thirty Leonis, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I don't want to count. I'm scared. Uh, oh, Chinese beauties! I have calico Chinese beauties, uh, or a calico female and a het male. Uh, they've bred for me the last couple of years, and oh my gosh, if people haven't experienced Chinese beauties. Uh, the Othriophis complex is, is an absolute treat, and that particular species is just my creme de la creme favorite in that in that genus. Uh, so I'm forgetting things.
0: Uh, yeah that's kind of what it looks like today uh cool yeah well holy hell Chris that was a very <laughs> thorough explanation of your lit of your collection, which is pretty badass yeah it's it's fun man I really really enjoy these things yeah well so <clears throat> we we're gonna tonight first and foremost Chris will absolutely be on multiple times there's no way that this is the only time that we're going to have paint shabba um (laughs) but what i thought we could do tonight is you do have some oddballs and one of your oddballs dropped a pretty badass clutch today so oh yes yeah yes we're going to be talking tonight the first part of this about um mexican pines cape gophers basically the pitch oaf is south of the border we're going to leave the line pines out of it because we obviously heard chris hasn't kept them oh Um, yeah and we have to have something for Chris to do in the future, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but with that being said, and then we might talk some MRI if there's time at the end. Sure, uh, sure. But but um, can you? I know that you are on Team Janai because I'm in the other. Absolutely, I'm in the. Yeah. I'm in the the chat, and you are always throwing them up there. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit, just in general, give the listeners kind of a, the depi depi pitchophis depi depi. Versus Pitch step depai Jani conversation, where they live, what they yes, look absolutely. like, just all that jazz. So, so depai depai, I, I know a, a little chunk about them,
2: and I have not been uh, lucky enough to find any. Uh, there, there's only been a handful of people that really work with them, uh, and and Tim Gebhardt did a lot of work with them over the years uh, with Vivid Reptiles. Um, they're they're just hard to find, um, but in, in Mexico, as we start looking at kind of the Nueva Leon. Uh, maybe the eastern side, and start going a little bit south of the Tamaulipan Mountains. Uh, right in the middle of Mexico is the what's called the, the Central Mexican Plateau. And this species, though though kind of phenotypically similar, I think if you took two of these snakes and put them next to each other as babies, you'd have two very similar animals. Uh, they are divergent and split by that uh, by that plateau. Um, just south of the Texas-Mexico uh, border, uh, Janai start, um, and so we're much more west for where the Depi, uh, Depi start. Uh, that's the Durango mountain pine snake for anybody that's looking for the common name of it. Um, and so the Depi-Depi have a really neat thing about that particular species where they're extensively polymorphic. Um, you could have a clutch of two, two snakes that look identical give you a clutch of three or four different phenotypes. Uh, they can be a steel, gray, redhead, black spot animal uh, they could be a soft, kind of umber, so- summerish kind of look. Uh, and within that complex, there's also a recessive trait um, that's a hypo. Uh, and again, Tim Gebhardt uh, worked with those animals and actually calls it a summer and winter phase. Uh, and what's neat is if you have a summer and winter phase hypo and breed them together, you will get summer and winter phase. Uh, so it's really neat to see. You, you're going you're gonna to see that very common uh, in mexican species so if we think about other kind of similarly montane uh animals that inhabit the same areas you know in that upper west range in mexico you have alterna uh and i believe a little bit further south um you're going to start hitting your mex your mex mex down in like san luis potosi area uh but all of those animals are extremely variable right uh, alterna literally these are like alternates hmm. right like these are animals that when bred together you're going to get a whole gamut of phenotypes. Um, and also similarly with Leonis look at, look at, look at wild Leonis. You have milk snake phase, you have uh, what we call day phase now. Um, but you know, you, you, have so many different phenotypes within a species. Um, it makes sense that they do that. What's kind of interesting is Janai, which are going to be on the East side of Mexico, do not do that. Um, they're really standard, uh, with the exception of color and saturation, um, as to what they're going to look like. Um, You can have different base colors, you can have different levels of saturation. The orange heads um
1: are are, are always
2: really neat because you never know how much orange is gonna bleed down that animal as it as it goes through its ontogenic change. Uh Depi Depi don't go through such a drastic uh ontogenic change, whereas Depi Jani do. Uh the the babies will gosh, they're they're ugly ducklings, right? If you've ever (laughs) seen a baby Jani, you're just blown away when you see an adult. Um Jan I also have a very interesting trait where they're sexually dimorphic. Um, and this isn't expressed only in the size of the animal, but in the, you can hatch them out, look at the eggs. The second they come out and say, tell you which ones are male and female. Uh, really? Absolutely. Every female has clearly defined saddles. The orange saturation on the head usually is just barely at the nose, sometimes past the eyes. Uh, the saddle hmm. numbers towards the tail, uh, are much more condensed and more rapid. And I've noticed that females almost always have more visible saddles. Whereas your males always have this huge saturation on the head, uh, always have a much softer definition to the saddles, usually a lighter base color, which is kind of interesting because as they age, they lose that lighter base color and get darker. Whereas females usually get lighter. Uh, and then as their tail goes down, they get a lot more of their kind of maroon-orange saturation and, and just less less uh, saddles, right? Uh, again, retrospectively, depe-depe hmm. uh, don't do that as much. They're not as sexually dimorphic. Uh, you know, kind of across the uh, genus in pitchiophis we see that uh, males are usually larger. Um, you know, not not a lot. Maybe we're talking 20% larger. Maybe 10%, you know. Uh but yeah, I, I would say that would be the dif- the differences between the two, right? Okay. Phenotypically, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've never heard that. I did not. Uh, I was not aware of it. So very good information there.
2: It's 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 really neat, and, and you know, some people don't notice it, and and some some lines of Depi-Jani don't have as much orange saturation. So as babies, they're a little tougher to tell. But man, if, you, if if you gave me a clutch, I could almost tell you which one was male and which one was female, female every time. I, I've never been wrong on it uh, with with the babies I've hatched, uh, and and even like I had a, a gentleman send me a pair uh, of from a different line, and I opened up the box and I was like, "Hey, one of these these are both males." And he was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "These are both males for sure." And I, and it sure sure enough popped them that day, and they were both males. Huh? It's, wow. it's kind of a it's kind of interesting.
0: Very cool. Absolutely.
1: So, out of the the pines that you're working with, which are there are there differences? In, and this is something I kind of ask a, a lot of the individuals that we we talk to. I'm I'm big on well, as uh, Zach puts it, nuance. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I like the quirks, the behaviors, the subtle differences in one species to another. And sure. so, being that you're working with these these you know different pits. What subtle differences in the way they act and, and the things they do, the things they don't do from one species to another, have you noticed?
2: So if we kind of if, – if we would compare uh, North American pines to South uh, – Mexican pines, um, I, and I think that's a good assessment because there is a small integrate zone where North Mexican pines integrate with bull snakes. And in Mexico, uh, North Mexican pines are usually called bull snakes. Um, so in, in that very small little sliver in area, they've they've found that there is an integrated zone, uh, but my goodness, could bull snakes and and and, Jan and I not be more <laughs> yeah. different? Uh, but if so, let's let's look at North American pines, which they definitely have very much more similarities to North American pines than they do to bull snakes. Uh, North American pines, so so we have Northerns, uh, Blacks, and Southerns. Um, you know, the Kentucky pines could be could be not something else. Um, I, I don't have any personal experience with Louisiana pines. Uh, that's a heavily protected species in Texas, so we, we don't have that joy. But uh, northern pines have a lot more. They're bulldozers, right? They're they're or not not northern pines, but the North American pines, are, or they're bulldozers. They all have very similar body types. They have extremely uh, defined scalation. The killed scales on them, you you can just tell. You can see it. You can see a, a nice uh, a nice you know. Summer evening, you can see the shadows of scalation in the right time. You know it's, it's beautiful, uh, and, and the males are always a little bit bigger than the females, but it's a little bit more expressed. Uh, but they don't really go through an ontogenic change, um, and and they have that I am going to eat by ripping through everything mentality. <laughs> right? They're they're demons. They're and they're they can soak in their water bowl. They'll drink all the water. They'll poop the size of a dinosaur. Uh, they they they're. I mean, they're 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 big, giant, massive Clydesdales, uh, and and so let's you know you compare that to a Jani, It's just not the case. Jani are a lot more elegant. Elegant. Uh, they're they're a softer snake. The keeled scales are, are much more. They're much more palatable, right? When, when you when you put that snake in your hands, you feel the definition of the scales, but it's not so mm-hmm. pronounced. It Doesn't feel rough, uh, which leads me to believe that they don't spend as much nearly as much time underground right like we know pine snakes and a lot of these snakes have these killed scales so they can puff up and hold themselves in possibly underground uh or, or at least i like to think so um, also i'm dumb so like i may say things <laughs> that are ridiculous uh, y'all have met a lot of smart people on this podcast and i am not one
1: um
0: uh, i don't know engineers aren't dumb dude <laughs> <laughs> I, just,
2: I just i just do i just do math the goods um mm-hmm. But but the, the Janai and again I'm not I'm not speaking necessarily for depi depi though I know they're very similar right with the exception of some of their physical traits uh, they're 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 much more similar, uh, but but Janai have this quaint kind of relax relaxation to them they like it cooler when when you turn the temperature up when it starts getting hotter you see these animals uh, start hanging out on the cool side of, of their enclosure if it gets really hot. You see these animals in their water bowls immediately. They, they, they don't want to be hot. Uh, and we'll kind of, we'll get the, the care of them. I'll, I'll kind of express my thoughts on that. Uh, but they, they they don't have this punchy attitude. Can they give you a fit? Can they start doing their, their wonderful little epiglottis hiss? Sure, of course they can. Uh, but they just don't do it very often. They're very soft-spoken. They, they'd kind of rather not just be in your hands uh, though as adults, they're they're puppy dogs. Uh, it's you know if you if you came over to my house and you were afraid of snakes, you're probably getting a five and a half foot male gen I'd thrown in your hands, and I'm going to tell you that it's the greatest thing ever. Um, they're not gonna they're not gonna crawl all over you. They're they're more of a you know just set it and forget it snake. They don't move a lot in your hands, uh, and if they do, they're usually just trying to scoot to the next spot where. I feel like if I pick up a, a northern pine right now, it would just be all over the place. You know, not really trying to get away, but just constantly looking around and, and finding a new thing to, to to go to. Probably looking for food, honestly, getting ready to eat something. Um, so so there's a, there's a big difference, and, and it's kind of interesting that bull snakes and and, and, and Janai, uh, you know, say I and Janai kind of inhabit similar areas, yet their attitudes are just completely different. Uh, you know, you you, you uh you run into a, a, a say i in the wild you're probably getting ready for a boxing match uh and in fact i know you are um mm-hmm. w- whereas of course i've never been lucky enough to find a jan on the wall but i but i have to assume that this is going to be a, like a pantherophis type attitude uh you know i've never been bit by one i've never been bit by a baby I, i've occasional tail rattle uh i don't know if i've ever heard one even hissing at me uh but it's just, it's, it's, it's soft, right? It's, it's a soft species. It's a quiet species. Um, doesn't mind being bugged. Doesn't mind loud noises. Uh, it's it's very palatable in comparison to their Northern, uh, counterparts, which are, which are, (laughs) again, just massive bulldozers. Um, also they don't just destroy their, their enclosures like, uh, like the Northern pines do the, the Northern species do. Uh, whereas, you know, you put a water bowl and you know, your substrate and do all your things, as you would for the North American counterparts and they're going to destroy it, right? Like you're, you're, it's just a constant battle to keep them from uh, destroying things. Um, I mean, even, you know, we'll, we'll talk about how we breed them a little later, but even when breeding, you know, they're, they're not aggressive breeders. You don't see the male pinning the female down. They don't wrap each other up. Uh, They have a very, a very quiet, subdued attitude in, in, in that sense as well.
1: So they're like anti what everybody thinks. When they're thinking pines and gophers and bulls,
2: of course, like- <laughs> it, 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 it's it's kind of the anti-pitiofas-pitiofas, which is not completely, it's not always going to be the case, right? These are these are not the rules. These are these are the there are always exceptions. There's always uh, deviances from 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 what it is. But these are this is kind of the general. Uh, you know, I've got I think I've got enough. I've bred them for enough years. Um, babies will come out pissy baby everything is pissy baby babies are pissy
0: you know uh
2: (laughs) every everything you know i've got pictures of northern pines in the egg striking at me i've got videos of it um these aren't gonna do that but they're they're gonna raise up they're gonna give you a little they're cute little baby the noises uh they're 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 gonna they're gonna posture of course as hatchlings uh but it, it leaves so quick they're 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 kind of like a big corn snake, but a little tougher. I think uh, there's. I think there's a few parameters you want to hit in their care uh, that you wouldn't in a corn snake necessarily be concerned about. Uh, and, and they're bigger. They're bigger animals, right? You know, a, yeah. a baby a baby comes out being able to eat a, a fuzzy, probably, uh, and it's it, uh, so. There's a difference there, but they're not probably the best beginner snake because if there's a there's a couple husbandry practices that if you don't really knock like get just right uh they're, they're not going to do well for you um but yeah yeah so yeah you're right they're, they're very different from their northern <laughs> counterparts but similar in, in 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 many ways
1: well let's let's talk about that i think you just kind of opened the door up for yeah. perfect on it yeah. um let's talk about those husbandry pieces let's let's walk us through it
2: so um if there's ever been an animal that doesn't climb, it is a pithecopis debiagi. <laughs> really? I don't know what it is. They're, they're 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 not you know overly fossorial like like you see a lot of the the North American uh, Pichofis. but they're they're deaf. They they want to be in the mountains, kind of. They want to be uh, you know squeezed in between things. They love their hide box. When you open up, you know I I, I work with tubs, um, but I have multiple hides. In my tubs and uh and we'll, we'll kind of get into that here in a second but when you when you open up that tub when you when you open up that enclosure you you can kind of see them move closer to the edges of their hide box you know you see that little shift in the hide box where you know that they kind of just flattened out maybe pushed a little bit against the sides uh at, at least that's what i i assume is happening you know these guys, yeah. guys want to be squished between some rocks and, and just say all right you're not going to get me today um, a- as far as my personal enclosures uh, I go to the church of Lassiter uh, and I always will and and he told me many years ago the best thing you can do for any animal is give them options. Give them a hot side, give them a hot side hide give them a a, a a humid hide on the hot side. Do the same thing on the cool side, right? Even if you don't have that much ground area in your enclosure, try to do those things and you'll find that they excel because the snake's going to tell you where it wants to be. And, and it's very true. Um, uh, counterintuitive oh, yeah. to a lot of other pitchy office, I think and in my experience the, the the few years I've had these animals that you do not want to be over 80 maybe 81 82 degrees uh, my snakes have a sharp cut off at 80 degrees on their hot side and I keep them at 78 70, 77 78 almost exclusively um, think about where they're from you know what I mean eastern side of Mexico they're in kind of the desert they don't want to be overly humid uh, which was a battle that I had to figure out and win uh, in my uh, reptile room because my reptile room is different than everybody else's reptile room and, and that's the way it is uh, but I'm at about 60% humidity at all times uh, so we solve that through ventilation um, especially with lower temps so lower temps without ventilation you're, you're kind of you're, 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 you're starting to you're going to have Respiratory issues. You're, you're gonna have uh, you 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 are you're gonna have great sheds. You know what I mean. They're gonna shed awesome. Uh, I have had desert species that I have uh, done an exceptional job of murdering. Um, <laughs> uh, Bogotrophus rozellei. I have a couple thousand dollars of them in my freezer. Uh, there. I can't keep animals that need super low humidity, but I could take animals that don't want a bunch of humidity and accommodate them. Uh, lots of ventilation, um, lots of hides. I, I am sh- pretty strict in my uh, keeping across the board that everything is going to have uh, bedding. Uh, I think you can make some really neat natural, naturalistic enclosures with these animals, but you want them on dry, clean bedding. Uh, not necessarily that they're going to be digging under it. That's not what the species does very often. Uh, in, in my in my experience, um, but without something i've noticed they don't do well because i've had to throw them on paper towels for a while and you can just see the animal immediately get stressed uh the only times i've seen these animals act defensively look like they're going to act defensively is when i had a probe mess up and my my enclosures were at 90 95 degrees <laughs> and i and i knew it because you know i had i had bull snakes in the same rack and i knew it immediately because my Jan and i were acting weird i it just it was like a snap of the fingers i came into my reptile room and I was like, wait, 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 why are my J and I freaking out? And you could see them. They were pushing up against the side of the tub. They, I opened up the tub. They came flying out and they just, they just don't want that hot temperature. Um, I've seen some people have really neat naturalistic enclosures. I think that's amazing. Uh, I would love to be in a position where I can have that. Um, and maybe I will be someday. Uh, you know, you're, you you're, you're going to want a lot of hides because they don't want to see you. Um. And and I think the more they see you, the more stressed they're going to be. I think we find that across the board with pitch office. Um, and and uh, I don't know. I, I keep a water bowl in mine. I've heard of people not keeping a water bowl in theirs twenty four seven. You know, maybe after a feeding, uh, you, you you put the water bowl in for a couple of days. You pull it out for a couple of days. And again, that's to regulate that 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 water intake. Um, you know, this is this is a pretty dry, pretty arid species, um, and and and. We did that with Rosie Bows back in the day because they'll just puke their guts out because they'll just sit there and drink all the water. Um, I, I found that mine don't really have that issue. I keep them with clean water, you know, of course. Um, if really, really, really noticeable in females of breeding age, you want to always have a, a human hide. I, I find that they don't have shedding issues as babies, but as adults, they will. They'll have really, you know, the, you know, they get, they get all the shed off, but they did it by scraping their nose till it bled on, on, on everything. <laughs> uh, it, di- it didn't go smoothly for them. Um, and you look in, inside the enclosure and there's 4,000 pieces of shed skin. Um, I, I, I've noticed that with them. So, so whenever I've got a male or a female in you know, any, any of the same species in, in shed, I always try to give them a humid hide uh, just, just to kind of defeat that. Uh, but if they knock over their water bowl... Uh, If they do anything that's going to increase that humidity, make it stagnant, you know, huge poop or something where they pee and poop everywhere, I try to clean all that immediately. Uh, In fact, if I'm going on a two- or three-day vacation, this is one of the species I'm going to pull the water bowl out of uh, because I am more concerned about this species overhydrating, have too much humidity, possibly getting a respiratory infection than I ever am about it not having water right? I'm, I'm sure they, they could go quite a while. You know, they, they go through seasonal, seasonal droughts in the wild. Uh, you know, and of course we know that these animals go into the mountains, they go into the rock crevices, they find the humid areas, uh, to be able to survive. But, um, I, I guess we would say this adjacent with, a uh, with husbandry, Janai are mouse eaters, right? They're, they're, they rodent eaters in the wild. Uh, they, they will take, uh, just about anything in captivity. Uh, I'd like to do a round of, uh, Chicks. I've done quail. Um, I've never had them eat eggs, uh, but they will take uh, chicken hearts. I love feeding chicken hearts because chicken hearts are cheap. Uh, <laughs> you could go buy a whole pack of chicken hearts at the grocery store and feed it to you know, you know, five six animals. I, I, I've got this method where I use feeding bowls. Uh, so I will have mm-hmm. a bowl in there. I'll just fill it up with stuff and they'll eat it. Um, they don't like big meals. Uh, so if I'm if I'm feeding my Janai, I don't even really want to see much of a lump. Um, you also don't want wet rodents. I know I know that wet rodents are fine, and I know a lot of people just dunk their rodents in water, and, that, and that's okay, right? Like, give it to your corn snake. Your corn snake's going to be happy. Don't worry. Uh, with Jani, they don't like wet food. Um, I, I'm sorry I said that wrong. They like all food. <laughs> but if you give them wet rodents, I've noticed that it's you could get a regurge, right? Um, and I don't know if it's just that oversaturation uh, of water uh, that causes it. Uh, maybe they eat and they naturally know they need to find water. So now you've given them a you know a water balloon and then gone and given them, you know, they go and suck all their water up. Um, it's not it's not the best practice. I'm sure that in a lot of situations it is OK. I try to avoid it completely. Um, yeah. Uh, in that same feeding sense with with hatchlings, um, I could probably take a JNI the day it sheds and feed it a frozen dog pinky from my fingers with zero issues, um, I, 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 they they will eat every rodent they're able to smell. Uh, <laughs> they don't care. I, I, you know, they're they're the easiest feeders on the planet. Uh, males will usually go into a, a not feeding time uh, during the breeding season, uh, which is breeding them is weird, um, and it can be weird, and I guess it doesn't have to be weird. Uh, females will go off food uh, like the second they're grabbing like the second a females, like, all right, I'm grabbing, I got eggs. She's just not going to eat for me. Uh, that, that's what I've experienced. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Y'all got any, uh, any other questions on the, on the husbandry.
1: So you got, uh, these in rack systems. Is that right? Yes, sir. I
2: do. Um, I, I have mine currently, uh, and I admittedly in a small, a small size tub They're in V seventies. Um, I think a CB 90 is kind of where they need to be there. They're, they're a five foot, five and a half foot snake. Um, they are fine in cb 70s i've never had an issue they bred many years for me mm-hmm. they eat great i've got hides on both sides um, you know a five and a half foot snake is is not a big snake right they're not they're not this huge girthy python no, no. um it, you know my and my female's a little smaller maybe she's five foot maybe maybe a little over uh but i i, I do plan on so you know here here for badlands of Culture we're going to be building another another room here i've been talking about it for six months and i haven't gotten it done yet uh, but we're building another 14 by 14 room and, and they're one of the first species that's going into a, a CB 90 just, just, just to give them more variation uh, mm-hmm. to keep them further away from that heat. Cause this is one of those species you find on the cool side all the time, even when the hot side is 78, right? It'll be, uh, you know, October here, my reptile room would be 72 degrees and I'll come in and I'll have Janai curled up on the cold side in their cold side hide, you know, in, in comparison to, uh, uh, you know, a lot of stuff will just be on the heat at that point because it's cooler in the room, and they're you know eighty-two degree hot spots or whatever. Um, I, I think if somebody was doing these, they had like a three foot by two foot, maybe a three foot or four foot by two foot, even better. Uh, I think I think you'd have a lot of success. You could you could deck it out pretty pretty uh, neat. Uh, I think you could do enough hides. There's also a species that I found will cohab great. Um, I've never had what looked like stress issues when I had them together. I've kept them together as babies. I've kept them together as, uh, sub um, that's actually how I bred them. The first time is, uh, my male just had, just destroyed his cage, right? It was one of those situations where I came home, there's poop everywhere. He had knocked over his water bowl and I stuck him in with the female. And I noticed I was out of uh, Aspen, which is what I use Aspen. And I, uh, I'm actually looking at them right now and, and I decided, Hey, I'm going to throw you in with the female. Uh, this was actually in December and that's when I found out that they'll breed in the winter. Um, but I put them together and I ended up just having them together for months and they were just fine. You know what I mean? I'd feed them on tongs separately and they would just sit there and eat their mouse and their rat at the time and, and, uh, go about their day, pull them out. You know, there's no outward signs of them being stressed. I think if you had a, a big enough enclosure, uh, it'd be a really cool species to display and, and, uh, cohab, right. Super, super neat to be able to put two snakes together is just always cool. Um, and you'll probably breed them, which is kind of the neat part. They kind of just—they're really good at breeding on their own. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a good place to. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of a stiffler for cleanliness uh, and, and and very specific times for things when I do things when the water is fresh, uh, the days that the aspen has changed, the days that I feed. Uh, it's my engineering brain, which I try to keep out of my uh, reptile room <laughs> as much as I can. Uh, but you know, if if it's got to be, you know. You know four ounces of water specifically on this day then, then then so it must be for my for my little brain to be happy um but yeah they're they're just man they, they could be easier but at the same time those few things too too much water too much heat uh not a good bedding that's gonna make them feel secure and not enough hides and you're gonna get a stressed out animal uh that's not gonna want to eat that's gonna regurg when it does eat um and you just you want to deviate away from that, I think, and, that, and that's what kind of clicks them maybe one step above uh, just being super easy, right?
0: Wow. So, you you mentioned a little bit about how the, they sometimes just breed. So, in, in regards to producing Janai, are you doing a dedicated broodmation um, period where with no heat, or is it just let them ride the room, or, or how, how do you go about? Let's just segue to breeding. What's the process over the course of a year to get them to go? Yeah, so um,
2: I, I've actually done it two ways now. And this year was my first time uh, succeeding in my other way to do it. Uh, so I'll tell you the way I first did it. And, and, I, and I've, I've talked to people that breed them uh, and, I, and I've read, read magazine articles and I've, I've seen a few, you know, they're, they're in a couple books. Um, and there's kind of two camps of thought. Uh, one camp of thought is that you pair them in December you cool them down, you reduce their feeding, uh, but you leave them together, right? Leave okay. them together until the females grab it, uh, or obviously grab it. Separate them for, you know, the kind of rule of thumb is separate them for feeding. Uh, if anybody that's really been doing this for a long time cohab snakes, you probably know how to not separate them for feeding. Uh, you know, <laughs> my Everglades rat snakes that have been together forever, I don't separate them for feeding, you know, my mm-hmm. you know, and, they, and, and also, hey, another great, awesome species that's orange. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so the first time that I bred them, I actually kind of did it on accident. I knew that it was a possibility. The animals were big enough. They were old enough. Uh, I'm kind of strict on waiting four years to breed. I try not to breed things in three years, uh, with the exception of probably corn snakes. Um, so uh, I had them together, um, and I kind of did the thing. My room naturally cools because where I come from, it's the, you know, it's the, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't live in the pit of hell. Right, I don't live in the pit of hell, but if I stood on my roof, I could probably see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, gotcha. it, it's, I, I, I'm close. I'm real close. Uh, so it's you know 110 degrees here in the summer with 100% humidity, uh, and the winters it's just super humid and chilly. And so my house naturally cools in the winter, but is designed to not get cold in, in the summer. Um, so my so my room's going to drop down to that 70, 72 degrees, and that hot spot at seventy eight, it's working real hard to keep it at seventy eight. Sometimes, but naturally, you know that first year breeding them, and then the next year, and then the next year, I would, I would, okay, let's just slow down their feeding instead of maybe every seven days. Every and, and this is a species, and that's one thing that we could talk about on feeding real quick. Kind of adjacent to this, you don't need to feed them every seven days once they're sub adults, right? Sub adult to adult, I'm probably feeding these closer to ten days, twelve days, sometimes fourteen days and you know my female laid this year and she didn't even look like she laid eggs uh, hmm. so uh, these are these are healthy strong snakes they do have a higher metabolism but they don't have this huge heat that keeps that metabolism up um, and, and I think that's you know I think that's possibly also because they're on the cool side a lot uh, but anyways so December we put them together uh, you know we just naturally I have a huge window in my room and I'm sitting in front of it it's seven foot by four foot maybe not the biggest window but it's a big window and uh, hmm. that window uh, provides natural light. I try to keep it open as much as I can. I open it up so that I get real light in here, uh, actual UV rays, and you know, real mm-hmm. wind and like beautiful little, you know, bacterias and things and fungies that are in the in the in the air that is just good for all of us to be breathing. And uh, natural air cycle, right? Like, how damn good is this real air, right? Not <laughs> people don't think about that, but like. You know, actually, I know this is part of that, me being kind of like dumb, but like just real air, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if you're not feeling good, go outside, right? Like sweat a little bit, breathe, you know, and, and, and get, get fill your lungs full of something that's not just been, you're, you're kind of sitting in your bed, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I love natural air flowing through my room. I'll open windows on both sides of the house, let it flow through the room, turn fans on high. Uh, but yeah, so they're naturally cooling during the winter. They're eating f- Spotily, right? Like every fourteen days, and and they kind of just stay together, and then it's January, February, and the females grab uh, I At that point, I had never seen them uh, lock, never seen them any any kind of courting at all, uh, and and there was no pre pre, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, post brumation shed or anything. They they brumated together, uh, and for three years straight, got beautiful eggs like that, um, you know. Uh, I I have one thing I've noticed with Jan. I, I, I always get one slug. I don't know why. Uh, it, it's just like a thing. Um, the dry and wet we're gonna hit with eggs because there's a, I, I've noticed something this year. Anyway, so and I'm sorry. I'm a little scatterbrained sometimes. Uh, so we're that has worked consistently. Females gravid. Female goes into uh, pre-lay shed. You know, very stock standard stuff. She she sheds. Uh, you know, 10 to 14 days later, you got a beautiful clutch of eggs. Uh, they're not really defensive, removing them from eggs. Some, some, I actually had a very, very upset snake today removing eggs. Um, and uh, that, that has worked. So uh, actually the last time me and Dr. Lachman talked is every year that I produce Janai, I get like one female or two females in a 9 to 10 egg clutch. I mean consistently. Uh, and so I told him, I was like, this year I'm going to brumate them. I'm going to brumate them like I do all most of my other North American colubrids at my middle temperature. So I have all of my stuff that needs to get cold, cold. That goes into the freezer at John's house. That's all my Alterna, Leonis, uh, stuff like that. And then my stuff here at the house, I get down to uh, between 55 and 60, but it has swings, right? I'll have a couple days where it's 62. Uh, 65. I have a, an air conditioning unit that I feed the exhaust outside but it doesn't get that cold because it's in a closet. Uh, it's one of those roll around ones. Um, so this year I said, okay, I'm going to do my normal uh, you know, Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to put them at that kind of 60 degree mark 55 to 60, which is we, we all kind of try to hit for, which is, is, is notably probably closer to 60. I'm going to warm them up slow. I'm going to do one week at this temp, one week at the next temp. Uh, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to feed them slow. And I want to see if this does anything different. First thing I noticed is neither one of them went into shed. Straight up just didn't shed. And and I don't know if that was just because I did it differently this time. You see a lot of snakes come out of brumation. Within two to four weeks, they're shedding. They shed. Boom. It's time to lock. So uh, I just started feeding them. And once they were back on rats, I I have a very slow step system I use for feeding. Uh, I mean, a a five-foot pitch office, I'm going to start with like a hopper. Right? You're getting a hopper. In three, four, five days, you might get a small mouse. In three, four, five days after that, I'm going to see how you're pooping. I'm going to make sure you're pooping everything out. You might get another small mouse. And then you know I'm going to go that over over a period of two weeks. And so I just threw them together. And my God, have I never seen snakes lock faster. It's like I put, I put the male <laughs> and the female in the tub. And, and I missed like he, you. <laughs> yeah, he just like <laughs> shuffled over and just locked up with her. And they just kind of like looked at me. And I was like, so it's just like that, huh? Uh, and I let him pair a couple times. And this year, once again, uh, I think I got 11 perfect eggs. Uh, it went through that same cycle. Female wanted to pre-lay shed. Uh, uh, sheds, 10 to 14 days later, lays eggs. I had a nice egg box, right? If you don't know egg boxes, find out about egg boxes. They're, they're a good idea. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah. they uh, I got exactly one slug because she lays a slug before she lays her good, leg, good eggs every year. Uh, and I'm excited to see if there's a difference. My my statistics brain, my, my engineering brain says <laughs> you have done something different. Your results should vary. Um, uh-huh. My biological brain and Dr. Laughlin's biological brain are saying you've done nothing different. She laid eggs. It's the same genes being spliced together, <laughs> pushed together. Yeah, uh, you know, no, you're not getting more females this year. You just had bad odds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so but i had three years of consistency so i said i'm gonna put a variable into the equation and see if it does and i don't know i it's it's my fun little thing if and you know what's funny is if i get all females this year i'm gonna be like that was it that was it and that's not how biology <laughs> works at no. all uh that, that with those with those with, with the with the eggs become eggs they are you know probably defined earlier than i even realize uh what what, what the sex of that snake's gonna be so it's kind of funny. Um, one thing and, and, and man it's taken me a while to really figure out my incubation method on these animals uh, every year and I mean I, I you know I incubate 100 200 uh, 100 to 130 eggs every year and, and I have a pretty stock standard way of doing it. I, I, again Church of Lasseter, uh, blessed be thy name we, we take <laughs> paralyte we go 5050 with water we make sure the top isn't wet we put holes in some kind of a airtight thing. And we put tape over those holes. We label it for 45 days at 45 days. We pull the tape off. We wait till about 60 to 70 days. Boom. You know, boom, bang. Here we are. One thing I immediately noticed with the Janai is the eggs mold almost immediately. Uh, that doesn't mean a snake won't hatch out of a moldy egg, but goodness, I have hatched snakes out of some very ugly eggs and I've lost a couple of eggs to it. Um, there is of course the chance that those eggs were uh, probably not fertile in the first place. Usually a good egg doesn't go bad regardless of the mold. Uh, it's just a thing that happens. Um, but this year, uh, the way I'm doing my incubation is in those same tubs, right? So I take a, uh, where, oh, I was about to grab one to show y'all. Sorry. It's not video. Um, uh, so I use those food prep containers black with a semi clear lid and uh I poke my four holes, I cover them up with tape, I write all my information on. Usually I'll separate the clutch uh, into multiples of those, right? So they're not too close, they have room to breathe. Uh, So this year I did my 50-50 Paralite water, but I put a, uh, you know, like light diffuser panel in there. Uh, What I'm actually using is the, uh, it's for the aquarium hobbyists, it's like a a tighter woven uh, plastic grid, um, and what, what what I noticed, you know, that removes them from any moisture barrier. They're not touching anything other than dry plastic or each other, the eggs that, you know, may be stuck together. And I am almost at 45, 50 days. I think somewhere there. I'm, at, I'm not 45 days. I haven't pulled tape on. Um, and I have zero mold. They're the best looking Janai eggs I've ever had. Um, we could also chalk this up to saying that I got better sperm from a male that was bromated. but I don't think that would have anything to do with the price of tea in China when it comes to eggs molding I really define the mold on the eggs as uh, the moisture barrier between the egg and what it's touching um, so that's what I'm doing um, and, and I, I've, I'm not going to sit here and say I've had uh, good success this year because I don't have babies in my hands yet um, but uh, the eggs look great and we're, we're getting closer every day
1: what what temp did you say you're incubating the eggs at?
2: Uh, so I have a very, <laughs> I have a sea serpent hot box. Um, huge shout out to Chris Nelson, Nelson. Oh god, yeah. Uh, who makes it. those incubators? They are one of the best incubators on the market, in my in my uh, very humble opinion. Um, and uh, I incubated uh, 81 degrees exactly, uh, like exactly. And and I have govies. I have a govi on the top shelf. I have a Govy on the bottom shelf. I have a Govy in the back. And I check them constantly. And my numbers are always uh, they range between eighty point like nine and eighty one consistently. It holds such perfect temperature. We get temperature drops when we open doors and stuff. Uh, But yeah, good success at that temperature. Uh, Everything I read online was you know incubated eighty two eighty four degrees. You know normal incubation and man i uh i guess i probably set my incubator to my, my probe to 80 and it stays at 81 and that's what i've done for six or seven years now so i kind of i've kind of stuck with that
0: damn yeah i love those um I, I too will give a shout out to the hot box incubator i i have to have incubators <laughs> I, I it was funny we we just did a show with jason hood and And Jason mentioned, because he lives in Florida, that he just finds a place in his house and puts the eggs there because it's like 78 degrees. But I live in Appalachia, and today it decided that it was going to be a bright, sunny day. We're five days away from June, and the high was like 71. So if I don't have an incubator, I'm going to be running into some problems. (laughs) But those things, man, (laughs) I can't plug them enough. I, I like them so much I bought five of them for the school. Yeah, so there's yeah, there, there's
2: something great. to be said about the build quality and the consistency right it, yes. it, it's it's not it's not that I had a good experience with it it's not that you had a good experience with it it's that everybody that has one has the exact same experience and yeah. they all say that incubator is the best and and you know from an engineering standpoint I bought it and you know arguably they're they're a little pricier right you're gonna spend seven hundred to a thousand dollars on it uh, I think there's a cheaper one that's a little smaller and uh, y- you know what? I unboxed that thing I looked at it and, and, and was that's that's you know $700 worth of work I no questions asked there's mm-hmm. and, and again I don't remember the exact price but the, what I paid for it the amount of time it took to get here uh, and and you know uh, oh, very 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 impressed with that tool and it is it's a tool yes. and, and I know for a fact I can incubate in my room uh, during the summer we're, we're hitting 76, 78 uh, uh, John uh, good you know BS beers all the time just puts them in like his closet like at the top and he's like oh yeah they're perfect I have 100% hat rate. And I'm like oh yeah but uh if I can dilute any factors of inconsistency out of my care it is one less thing I have to work worry about it's one less thing I have to analyze and it's one less thing I need to maintain uh, yep. it, it's, it, it's it's one of the reasons I keep a lot of things in racks it's one of the reasons I don't keep a lot of species um it's it's consistency is key. Consistency in your care, consistency in your work ethic, consistency in your tools and your tooling. And we have a lot of tools in our reptile rooms. Uh, consistency in your attitude. Don't go in your room and clean snakes if you're pissed off. You're gonna get bit, you're gonna punch a you're gonna punch a corn snake, right? Like don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. co- consistency. It, it's this you know, I, I'm not, not to harp on, on, on the logistics of the world, but this is the same as life, right? Be consistent yep. in your life. And you will find those pockets of, of improvement uh, and doubt that you can erase, and, and you'll you'll find a you'll you'll, f- you'll lose a lot of stress and, and anxiety. Uh, so for me, I don't have stress and anxiety about my incubator. It's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, check my that AC, box. No, no words yeah. there,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. My AC
2: went out. My AC went out last summer, and we were on vacation. Mm. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That can't be worse. Right, I've had two, two instances where this happened. Uh, I came home and the Govies in my room, my room had gotten up to 88 degrees. That's hot. And that's hot for New Caledonian geckos. That's real hot. Yeah, They'll be okay for a certain amount of time. But I went to that incubator and the hottest it had gotten was 82 degrees. That room, nice. that window was 90 degrees. That incubator maintained its temperature it, 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 amazingly, right? Like this, it's the it's you know, that, and that's how a thermal expansion works, right? Like heat stays in, but also at the same time, heat doesn't get in, right? It, it's it's mm-hmm. so uh, again consistency. That's one less thing for me to worry about. Would I have lost eggs at that temperature? Maybe not, right? Like I'm sure where these animals are at, it's a hundred degrees, uh, and th- their eggs don't just poop out. Um, but yeah, the the other time I had a Oh, man. I had my uh, incubator – or I'm sorry, my brumation chamber set up in my closet in my reptile room. I've got a real nice walk-in closet that you can't walk in anymore because you know that's what we do. And uh, the way my house is set up, it vents to the outside. Well, something had happened while we were on vacation. I came back, and it had been venting just into my room. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> because I, I put up some thermal blankets to keep the cool in there. So it's not on a lot, right? Like the AC only pops on once a day or so to keep it at that 60 or so degrees, 60 or a little below degrees. And I, I guess one of the blankets had fallen and the, the hose had moved. So I came home from vacation and it was, uh, again 88, 90 degrees in my room and everything was okay. I had Chinese cave geckos. Fine. They were fine. And the two animals I lost were two gravid uh, female coleonics. and I, I can't explain it because I keep those at 90 degrees on the hot side uh, but my female gravid vertebralis and my female gravid brevis, uh, both belly up I checked every animal those the only two. pitchy were ready to absolutely just rip my arms off. that was super cool. I came home <laughs> and fixed everything and my, my male black pine pulled out his uh, his broadsword just absolutely went to battle with me. Uh, I think I have a video somewhere of my female black pine just screaming and yelling. So yeah, those, those <laughs> things happen, and you know, cool. But yeah, yeah,
0: that's the uh, that's that's the Jedi. Everybody needs them. So final final quote. We alluded to it. We didn't hit it head on, and we we like to to make sure we hit the major topics. But you mentioned how you feed them. Every like ten to twelve days, not necessarily every week, and that if you if we do the thawing out in the bucket and they're too wet that you get a regurge i I'd like to talk a little bit about that so Jan and I it's funny because I always hear you talking about how easy they are and how wonderful they are, and they've kind of been a white whale for me. I have okay. I, I got the two males from you last year and they're still kicking and then I have I bought two females one has passed unfortunately, but the other one is still kicking and I've just been like listening. And I'm like, well, I'm doing that wrong. Well, I'm doing that wrong. <laughs> well, I'm doing that wrong. And I was definitely doing the feeding wrong, because mine have eaten some pretty freaking wet rodents. Yeah. Um. So let's just talk about what your process is. I mean, I, I even want to go so far as to like, how do you thaw the mice out? Is it just put them on the countertop and let them go natural, or yeah, or what?
2: Yeah. Uh, so okay. I. I, I my, my kind of strict way of doing it uh it's fun during the winter i just take them out of the freezer and leave them in the garage uh but mm-hmm. i take a, i have a rolling uh, a, my little rolling cart in my room yep. uh, which everybody needs to have and i, I line it with paper towels i do three or four layers of paper towels and i i'm, I'm such a little nerd I, I lay out all my mice on it you know what i mean like i'm displaying yeah. my uh my uh armory for somebody to come over and see all my mouse blades uh, <laughs> but i lay them all out and uh and, and 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 so as they thaw, they stay pretty dry, right? And then I'll kind of give them that extra thirty minutes, extra hour once they've thawed. I you'll be able to pick them up, and, and if you pick up the mouse and it feels like it's got fur on it, and not just kind of like this wet slimy thing, which you get, right? Yeah, um, that's that's when I'm like, all right, these are good to go. Um, I've I have had times where it's like, oh god, I forgot to feed those guys, and you know, you're, you go fast, you, you you dump them in the water, right? Like you put them in. Yeah room temperature water, uh, you know, 30, 45 minutes later, you're, you're stuck. But I always spend the time to put them on paper towels, dry them out, squish them a little bit and let them sit for an hour, right? Let them dry out. Let them let them get as as, as dry as you can before you, you, you feed them. I don't notice this problem too, too much with babies uh, because a pinky's not going to get really wet, right? Like it's, there's only so many, it's, it's a jelly donut anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But still, but pinkies you can thaw out on your counter in 30 minutes, right, or, or, or so, and, and you know make sure it's not cold and hard. And, uh, I, though, though I have absolutely, completely, oh man, it's terrible. I shouldn't even say this on air. Uh, absolutely fed frozen pinkies out of the freezer to snakes before. Um, I had COVID, and I had the COVID brain, <laughs> and it was like so that bad, and, dude. When I got, I had like a hundred three fever. I just got back from Daytona. And I was like, man, somebody, man, these baby corn snakes, I mean, they got to eat. They got to eat, right? Because like, they're like five, seven days, and they start turning mm-hmm. on you. And, dude, I, I got all these pinks out, and I walked out of the garage, and I went, and I just dumped, put pink, I went through all the pink. I took I took them out of the baggie, and I was putting pinks in each of the the, the corn snakes. And, uh, yeah, they were fine. I don't know. Corn yeah. snakes are kind of bulletproof, right? Like, I guess I don't know what the snakes ate. <laughs> but I don't think they ate them when they were frozen. They probably went up and, no, this bowl of porridge is too cold. Uh, and wait until they thought out. but uh, So that's kind of like a horror story. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, oh. I, like to, I like to see my mice at, at room temperature and, and not give them mouse schools. You could kind of feel a mouse. You could permeate it, right? Like move it around yep. when it's pliable, when it feels like a dead rat. Uh, I, I'm pretty strict on where I get my rodents. I only use one supplier. They have top, top, top quality. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is because everybody should form their own opinions on that. Um, and also, I'm so lucky because I'm allergic to mice. Uh, as i am allergic to so many things um, i have a local guy that i've gone in with and we we breed mites together and he started uh, uh freezing them for me and dude there is nothing better than than having frozen fresh well you know the nutrients that are going up you know the diet that they're eating and you can look at that animal it smells different it feels different uh you know, you know these things aren't just eating slurry; they're they're mm-hmm. good quality. You know, we're feeding them vegetables, we're feeding them mealworms, we're feeding them gut loaded mealworms, uh, we're we're feeding them you know good quality solid diets. And uh, oh man, my snakes just—I swear it's like feeding. Uh, what is it? People used to say you feed grease toast to a dog; it's a uh, it's it's coat'll get shiny, right? It's I swear you <laughs> feed good quality rodents to your snakes, and they just glow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they just they just they look good can we always do that no does everybody have the ability to do that no but you could try Um, and and what's if if you have to always defer to what is cheapest I understand we are all in different financial situations but sell one snake that you don't necessarily love the most and use that money to invest in better rodents and I guarantee you you will be happier Uh, your collection will will appreciate it so that's a but, yeah, I, so I'm, I'm pretty peculiar when I, when I thaw all my stuff out. And it doesn't always happen that way, right? Like there's always, oh, man, God, I got to hurry. I got to thaw these things out. I got, you know, uh, I've got sleep in an hour. And, you know, we all love our precious sleep. But I, I try to focus on that. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's it. Well, I guess while we're on the Janai train, um, a couple years ago, I hatched a partially striped Janai. Um, Nice, It's really neat. I, I've posted some pictures online, but it's very... It's got these awesome, just weird aberrations and stripes down its back. It's even kind of a different color. Uh, I'm really excited to see where that goes It was a female. She may be big enough to breed next year. We'll see. Uh, But there have been striped and patternless Janai uh, in the past. Uh, In fact, I think I've sent Dr. Laughlin a couple pictures. Mm
0: -hmm. The
2: people that work with those animals, you you just can't get a hold of them. Um, I believe Summer from Summer Snakes may have some aberrant Janai as well. I know she's, she's, uh, she, she breeds them. Um, a, a lot of hobbyist level people uh, breed this species. And you see them pop up a lot on uh, Morph Market and stuff. And sadly, they're usually through people that are flipping animals, right? Like let's say uh, little Johnny breeds his, his Janai and he says, well, I don't want to go to a show and I don't want to post on Morph Market. So I'm just going to wholesale them out to this guy because he's always posting that he wants to buy them. And he's going to send me DMs. And he's an absolute savage and he annoys all of us. Uh, and mm-hmm. then that, that person is going to post a lot of the G&I, uh that are for sale. I, I would suggest anybody that's looking to add one of these animals to your collection, first off, congratulations. You're, you're going to have one of the best experiences. You get to watch an animal go through one of the most beautiful ontogenic changes there is. Uh, no, this isn't, this isn't a black milk snake. It's not that drastic. But you, but you get kind of an ugly doo-doo animal uh, with a decent personality. And you're going to end up with an absolute golden retriever of a snake that's going to be beautiful from nose to tail it's going to look like three or four different snakes uh and and you get to experience that through its lifetime and and i I think that's one of the neatest things about keeping them Uh, but yeah if you're you're buying one if you're out there in the world there's a lot of good breeders talk to the person you bought it from ask what the parents look like if they want to send you pictures you know there's 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 lineages to these things i have i have four different lineages in my collection uh it's it's neat there's there's a there's a lot to be
0: had with well damn. Well there you go. I think we pretty much caught, covered Janai. Um, I think we nailed it. Yes. So <laughs> we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, yeah. And you did have a pretty pretty cool clutch drop today. Yeah. Um and I know that it's been a little bit of a <laughs> they've a been a little, little adventure. Different. Uh, yeah. they always say that it's the journey that matters, not the destination, but you might yeah. matter. but you might argue that You've now made the destination, and the journey was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, that would, of course, be our good friend Pitchophis vertebralis, Cape yep. Gopher yep. snakes, which I, I, I had – I don't understand what it is about my house. I've talked about this in, on previous episodes when I tried to do the Asian rats. Yeah. But I also tried to do Pichofus in my house, and Pichofus pretty much came to my house to die, which is really huh. weird. No clue what the hell's going on. Right now, I have northern bull snakes can live there. Um, so I have... Kakakis. Kankakees. Um, and it makes sense because it's basically the same climate, except for I'm a little bit more humid. Uh, but I don't know if I had too much humidity for these snakes that don't necessarily need tons of humidity. Um, Black pines also can live at my house. But uh, nice. I was on the fence making the current kingsnake collection a pit collection... Um, and vertebralis was extremely high on my list. Uh, and then I distinctly remember looking at them and I, I back in 2018. And then this guy named Pain Shab showed up and then he got them. And I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> so I actually think I was looking at the exact snakes somehow um, you, you, you that may you have. have. Thomas Davis
2: <laughs> uh, had posted uh, on kingsnake.com. Mm-hmm. He had posted a clutch of Northern Pines uh, with exactly one picture and a clutch of Vertebralis with exactly one picture uh, and an email address. And I, and I bought a pair of both. That's actually my uh, New Jersey Giant uh, Northern Pine, uh, which I got a prelay shut out of today, which is exciting. And uh, my, oh, nice. my Vertebralis came from. Um, the
0: tangent there's, there's going to be some neat things about Vertebralis. Um, there's a lot
2: of neat things about Vertebralis. Well, uh,
0: just do a. We, we can't necessarily cover the whole thing, but this could just be story time with Chris. So, sure. Because that could uh, be fun. Yeah. yeah.
2: So vertebralis are one of the smallest Um They're about four foot long, uh, give or take. They can get to be about five foot long, I've heard. But mine are small. Uh, mine are five years old and are a little bit bulkier and longer than a corn snake. Um, but it's really neat. So, so, so vertebralis uh, live. They have been, they, 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 they're in the very, very southernmost tip of the Baja Peninsula. Right, and, and it's a very small – I think it's Cabo San Lucas is, is kind of the area they're in. And it's really tiny. And if you go a little bit north of that, you get integrates with bimaris. And then everything north all the way up to California is bimaris. But if you take a line – and I don't actually know how geography works. I assume the world is flat. And you draw the line <laughs> straight to uh, the Janai habitat, it is a straight line. Really? So. Yeah, so I had had Jan, I had had success keeping them, and I was like, well, I, I, I reached out to one person that had vertebralis, and I said, how do you keep your vertebralis? And and he was in uh, Arizona, and he said, I keep them like a corn snake. Okay, all right, I don't know what that means, but sure, <laughs> right? Corn snakes are literally can be at 90 degrees, they can be at you know, probably 50 degrees, they're they're bulletproof, they're, they're, they have a huge habitat. So, same thing, first things first, you keep them cool. 78 degrees maybe 80 the hottest but i try to keep them around that 78 number uh tons of ventilation this is a strict desert yes. species tiny 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 meals these snakes will puke anything up and if they puke they're done right you're, mm. you're, you 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 get a regurg out of them maybe two regurges out of them you ain't gonna have a snake anymore because they have mm. a huge super fast metabolism i feed mine weekly and sometimes I feel like I don't feed them enough, but I don't feed them meals very often, right? And, and you're talking about a species that at 60 degrees is active. I mean, they are moving. Huh. They're constantly on the go. Uh, they're a little more defensive uh, than, than, than some of your other pitchy office. They really don't want to interact with you. Uh, this is a species I would not put in something that could see you uh, with the exception of like an opaque tub. Uh, they... they, they sh- quiet secluded uh not a first snake um you you, you want to again dry meals i've only done that and i've only had success with that i've never had a regurg out of mine um, clean water uh again that's another animal that if i'm going on a two or three day vacation i pull the water bowls uh i mean i have so much ventilation on my it's not even funny i probably have a hundred holes on their tubs um, but that that cool temperature is I almost never see mine on the hot side. Uh, but the conundrum for me, uh, was I have other animals from the Baja Peninsula, specifically my, my uh, conjuncta. Um, and, and they, they just, they don't even pair well. Uh, so this is, I've had mine for five years. They were kind of of breeding size in three years and I just never had success. Uh, every time I, I, I brumated them, I sent them over to John, uh, who is like very strict, four months, 55 degrees, you're, you're locked in. Uh, and they did well, right? They came out extremely healthy. They held their body weight perfect. Um, but they just didn't breathe. They didn't breathe. They cuddled up. They'd be in the same hide. But this yeah. year, we got a ton of rain, a ton. I mean, thunderstorms. And, and, and South Texas doesn't get – seasonal rain usually it's kind of just dispersed throughout the year i mean my weather it could start raining right now right like i could have a hurricane in four days our weather is so sporadic and man it was a big thunderstorm was rolling in we were getting a really late uh front and i sped home i told my boss you know i I gotta go do a thing (laughs) i came home and i paired i paired a few things up right like you know start pairing some snakes and oh man i literally sat here and watched that male go after that female and they, they immediately locked up. Um, very, very weird mannerisms in how they, they pair. Uh, the male kind of does a really cute little dance. Um, they're not aggressive. I've never been bit by mine. My, they are much more defensive. I'll get the hiss. I'll get the fuss. Uh, but yeah, again, very dry. I have I have three hides in my, my enclosures now. Mine are in uh, V28s. Uh, again, my, my bigger of the two is my female... And that's just because the male's gone off feeding every single breeding season, every single time he goes off feeding. He doesn't want to feed. At the same time, the female's not uh, responsive when it comes to breeding. Uh, But yeah, so I have one, two, three hides in each of their enclosures. I keep them apart because, God, you can just see them stressed out. Uh, and, and they're also one of those species that might not eat every single time, right? Like, get ready for that. You're, you're going you know, to have a male, and it's not going to eat for a month, and you're going to get worried, but he's going to look great. Uh, but female usually eats, uh, but she's a heavier-bodied animal. God, I've, I've got corn snakes bigger than her. You know, I've got normal-sized corn snakes bigger than her. She, they're probably 350 grams, maybe four foot. Uh, mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, you, you see these things in person. And they are just gorgeous. They've got maroons and where that maroon turns into black, you have that kind of blood effect where it's just, it it looks natural, but unnatural at the same time. Uh, They have these kind of spots and striations through their lines that are purple, uh, kind of have like a sunset feel to them. Uh, They have an iridescence on their head. That's just like impossible to explain unless you see it, uh, they're 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 a soft scale animal, right? They don't they don't feel like another pachyophis, yet they look like the like a they look like a Pichophus. They act like a mm-hmm. uh, but they don't they don't feel like any others. Uh, I wish they were more prevalent in the hobby. I think you'll find if we went back and looked, and, I, and I've gone through all the king State forums. forums. I think you can go back to two thousand three, go look in the archives. Uh, people forget, a lot of people did a lot of work for us to get where we're at. And a lot of that information is free. You can yep. just go get it, right? There's a lot of scientific papers out there that have been written. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm going to be uh, remiss. There's a website, a gentleman, uh, Pitcho, I, th- I think it's pitchofas.com. I can't remember. Uh, and, and I can't remember his last name. But it, but one guy did a complete species breakdown on all the subspecies. You know, there's there's websites. There's th- It's not just Facebook, right? Like we don't, mm-hmm. you know, younger keepers, and people wanted to get into some of these species, go go Google, right? Like, look, look for the uh, look, look for the work that other people did. Go to the Kingsane forums. Find find the articles. Uh, that species also has an albino morph uh, and a uh, striped morph. Uh, but as far as I know, I've only seen them in Canada. I don't know. There's not a lot of people keeping them. Hmm. Um, I haven't found somebody in, since I've had mine that has ever had any for sale i don't go to every show i don't talk to every person and i kind of stay off social media so that may be my fault uh but even people i know I, I i do have a friend that has a male and i'll be hopefully getting a female to him this year uh but you know in the, in the sense of things i think you could mirror them a lot to janai uh, again hmm. you'd kind of draw that line along the longitudinal uh axis of, of the world i god i hope it's longitudinal how smart would i sound uh but <laughs> but, but but uh but you kind of draw that line and they're they're right there, right? It's right at the same spot. Um, So I mirror a lot of my keeping between the two. I just, I really don't mess with my uh, vertebrae as much. Also, oh my gosh, it's the one pitch office that doesn't just take uh, Godzilla crabs. I don't know what it is, but they take (laughs) these cute little poops. Uh, It's also probably because I don't feed them really big meals. I'm more with them is every seven days, a tiny meal, right? Like a meal that you would, uh, you know, three and a half four foot girthy female that just laid eggs did not drop what looks like an ounce of weight like she doesn't even look like she laid eggs uh maybe a little bit of a a concaveness on her sides but she eats small adult mice that's it it's the biggest meal i've ever fed her uh
0: Hmm.
2: you know whereas like a ball python breeder would be like that's a colossal rat snake rat uh so you know there's there's that and and, and I, i take your time you know, people get burnt out. They they don't they don't have success with the species right at three years. Maybe it's four years. Maybe maybe you get lucky and it's five years. You know, it took five years from the time these snake, I, I got these snakes in my hands to, to to breeding them. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it just takes time. Maybe maybe it's age. Maybe it's you know what I mean. So that female's ready. What do you? I, I won't know until I have more years of success. Was it the, the barometric drops? Was it the odd uh, weather? Uh, or did it just take time? Is this like a you know, one of these species, we 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 see that like bread lie which are kind of similarly colored from mm-hmm. Australia, that are that are that are they very similarly patterned, very similar kind of oddities. Cool weather snake, kind of very active in cool weather, but they got to be like six years old, seven years old when you breed them, or at least it's what here I don't know, but uh, yeah. So there's little little micro habitats within your own habitat, right? Like everything's a little different.
0: Well, hot damn. So, let's talk a little bit about just the clutch. So you said that yeah. you put them together and, and they drop the eggs. Yeah, those yeah. I, I have, I've seen the picture of the clutch. I'm certain that you're going to be sharing it with the world soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the those first are big thing, eggs. Yeah, that was yeah. what I thought. I yeah. thought, Jesus Christ, those eggs are huge. Yeah, um, uh, like Louisiana, and they're not quite Louisiana pine snake sized eggs, but they're pretty. They're getting there, I I think you think that that snake is bigger than it is in that picture. Well, I'm talking about snake egg relative to snake. Oh, How about yes, that? they are massive. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, my black pine lays a four inch long egg, but it's also you know five six foot long. So yeah. and it lays four eggs at a time. Yeah, this girl pumped out five eggs, and I wasn't ready for them to be that big for her. Uh, yeah. If she was a corn snake, she would have given me twelve eggs that are you know what an inch and a quarter long maybe an inch mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. And, and these these eggs are over two inches long and they're girthy too they're they're wide solid eggs uh, so yeah you know we, we see that across pitch office are weird the more the, the further south you go with some uh species like let's say say a Saeae. uh and i don't know if uh, y'all have ever had anybody talk about this in fact i don't think you have uh, a Clayburg bull snakes uh every year that i brought up for two years six to seven foot snakes you're talking about a Massive locality, one of the biggest, girthiest snakes I've ever dealt with. One of the strongest animals I've ever put in my hands lays six to eight eggs that are that are twice the size of a chicken egg. Right, it looks like a damp beer can. Mm-hmm. It looks like a baby Coke is what they look like, bigger than that. Kleberg's, the year that I the, the years that I bred them lay fourteen to eighteen eggs that are a little bigger than a corn snake egg, and a I'm sorry, cankies uh, and, and a Kankakee is a five foot snake max, right? They're a smaller locality. I'm mm-hmm. sure you could get them bigger, but they're a much smaller locality, but it's the exact same species. Uh, you know, there, there was debates many years ago. I read it about, read about it in some of the old archives that people thought that Northern bull snakes and Southern bull snakes were different, but the same thing happens with embryi here, right? The thorn mm-hmm. scrubs in my part of the world lay six giant eggs, the size of a chicken egg, but the embryo from West Texas give you 12 to 16 eggs that are snake eggs. Um, mm-hmm very similar species now you know obviously we know they're different species now but it's just weird where each of these animals are from they had laid different size eggs uh i don't a, 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 a sonoran gopher lays a much smaller egg uh and a, a much larger clutch than a than a south texas bull snake right they're they're just completely yeah. different yet they're they if you follow that range they integrate at some point um, but yeah, so so I, I didn't really know what to expect for the Baja gophers, right? Like, I had read they could, they could lay four to six eggs. I got five, what I think are very good-looking eggs. They all showed great veins already. Uh, and God, if you... Yeah, you're right, Doc. Just looking at the size of the eggs to the snake, <laughs> it's like... Uh, I, I have one little video I took, because she immediately, immediately, I, I, I took off the lid, and I took that picture. She turned around, she postured up, she's hissing, she's doing her little <laughs> sideways hustle, and 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 you know I've never been bit by them. Uh, I, I think they're a little bit of a bluffer, but when that happens with that species, I'm I'm hands on, right? Like, hey, let me let me get you back in something secure. Let me leave you alone. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want you to you know freak out because you could just see the stress in the animal. Uh, but yeah, uh, so and, and the way I'm incubating those eggs, I'm going to take what I'm doing with the Janai this year. Uh, I'm going to do the fifty fifty water to like Also, I don't know the side side note i only use distilled water with my snake eggs um i don't know about y'all but yo i had aaron Brockovich here and my tap water ain't no good <laughs> so uh yeah so i use distilled water um the the main reason i use distilled water is i know there's nothing else in it right like this has gone through a chemical process or, or, or i'm sorry a, a thermal a, a thermal regulated process to make sure that i only just have water uh so, I do that. I, I don't want any other minerals or any other things, you know, fluorides or anything in there. Uh, so, yeah, so 50 50 pair of light water, and then I put my uh, my, my moisture barrier in between, which, you know, uh, light diffuser or, 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 you know, in this case, the little uh, Aquaria uh, product, and uh, covered them up, put tape over my holes, and at 45 days, you know, I'm pretty sure this could be one of those clutches that I'm checking a lot mm. uh, just because I, I don't want them to crash really excited. Uh, You know, if if these things hatch, I'm going to be head over heels. Uh, I know uh, just from reading a little bit about their biology, uh, they're they're lizard eaters. But even specifically on top of that, they could be toad eaters. Um, Oh, cool! I guess there's there's a species of toad that they've uh, been dissected and found uh, having eaten uh, in in that in that kind of southern peninsula of Baja. Uh, I have had them together a lot. Uh, Last year, I really thought they were going to go. And I, ha- I cohabbed them literally the entire breeding season with the exception of – I did pull them apart to feed because uh, they're secretive feeders. This, this ain't a snake that's going to eat off the tongs for you. You're, you're probably never going to see it. Eat. Um, it does not want to see you at all. Um, now, interaction with the animal. I take the snake out. You come over to my house and check it out. A lot of times they're pretty chill, right? They're just kind of moseying around like, a, like, a, like most pitchy would do. Uh, but a lot of times you know you take them out they they get that hustle in their system and they get a little fussy um, but they're never they're never fat I don't know if this is the right way to put it. Mm-hmm. Some snakes you pick up and they're like fast moving. they really want to get out of your hands. they're yeah. always pushing. these aren't like that, right they they they'll they'll kind of like relax and see what's going on, but sometimes they might be in your hands and you get that big inhale of pressure mm-hmm. in their stomach and then immediately just. Uh, you know, and for a small snake, they put out a lot of noise, uh, and it's cool. Um, you know, I had I had John over here. You know, last year, uh, w- one of the times he came over, uh, I had a problem. Right, I was like, look, maybe I just don't have a pair, I'm just I'm just actually dumb. You know, I've probed them. i pop, I popped them, uh, I popped them when they were when I got him in a minute. You know, sex every snake when you get it. A huge huge thing everybody should do is sex the snakes when you get them. <laughs> yeah. If you're ever planning on, oh yeah, not everybody does that. And then you got an adult, you know, a pair of adult mm-hmm. males and uh but no he was like oh this is a pair but he was like hanging out in the garage with them right like they were just chilling we had a buddy over we were having a beer and like these snakes hung out with us for like 45 minutes just like yeah we're cool uh <laughs> so you you can you can still have those interactions with them and i'm one of those guys it's like i'll take a corn snake out and play with it for 30 minutes while i'm watching a show on tv or something uh because that little that little kid's never gonna not love snakes you know what i mean i i i thoroughly enjoy that you know, just like petting a dog you know my, my dog will be sitting next to me i'll be petting him and i'll have a snake in my hands uh same with the geckos i pull my lychianus out all the time and just stick them on my chair and sit here and you know, one of my hobbies is painting i paint a lot and i'll just be chilling painting. gecko on my shoulder
0: you know it's fun boom Love it. <laughs> that's awesome love it yep <laughs> well we're we're nearing the end here and I always love your outlook, and I've heard you kind of allude to this question before. So we're going to hit you with the final question. All right. Um, and like I said, we will absolutely have you on to do an MRI. Well, I'll, I'll return the favor that you gave me with your podcast. How about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay? So, herpetoculture today is uh, – it's really an interesting time for herpetoculture um, because we have more technology and gadgets and, and things at our fingertips – like hot box incubators, yeah, than anybody yeah. ever did before. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's agents out there in the world today that may not necessarily like what we're doing, and <coughs> in certain parts of the world or country going to great lengths to maybe make it all go away. Um, but there's also plenty of areas where herpetoculture is absolutely thriving and growing. So, Chris Payne-Shab, what is your prediction for where herbiculture is going in the next five to ten years? Do you think it's a good environment, bad environment, positive environment, negative environment, don't want to be part of the environment, happy to be a part of the environment, <laughs> go.
2: Well, that's a lot. Um, yeah. You're absolutely, well, I'll, 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 I'll do it in a, in a line of things, maybe five five little hits on that. One, you're absolutely correct. The technology has gotten so beneficial to us. Uh, you know, w- one of the groups we work with, Black Box Caging, uh, mm-hmm. you you have people that are going out of their way to make such specific niche things for us to have that we can click with a mouse or touch with your finger on your iPad and order and have delivered to your house in a couple weeks that are so good and so useful. You, you, you know, you have ARS making specific size tubs you got people like black box and sea serpents making uh, racks uh you know they, they make a rack that has lockable doors uh so that you can't open up the tub but you can still see in the tub you, you yeah. know who, who where were we 22 years ago when i was keeping a uh, uh you know gold dust egg geckos and a critter keeper with a heat lamp off the side so i didn't melt the plastic or when i was breeding leopard geckos on blue calcium sand with a hot rock right uh the, the technology has evolved so, so much, um, and, and it's so special to see such s- specific companies going out of their way to make reptile-specific products. So that's one thing. I love that. it's only That is only getting better. What those companies need to not do is shove their ideologies down your throat, which we mm-hmm. don't see a lot of, but some of them do. You have to have this. This is the only way to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The next part of the answer will be there are a lot of people that don't know about reptiles, that don't know what we're doing as a hobby, that are making decisions based on opinions or beliefs that need to hire people that know what's going on. The problem is, sadly, a lot of those things get wrapped up into petty politics, and there's not much you can do. You know, and I'm not a real political person but the second somebody is being paid to make decisions for you yet you don't actually have a voice in that with the exception of a vote that you're macing, making based off of a probably different belief system things are going to go awry we know that we've seen it we've all seen the videos we all know all the things that have been going on this has been going on for years this is not a new thing this is something that yeah. maybe some of the specificities of the situations is new, but you're talking about 40 years of herpetoculture, uh, species not being allowed in species, uh, you know, lacy acts, you know, there's all of these things. Yet, why can't I get in a handful of carpet pythons, uh, captive bred from Australia? And I don't obviously I'm not be getting carpet, pythons, but to have new blood in the hobby when this hobby is something that we're paying taxes on right like if i go yeah. sell something at a show i'm paying the state taxes when i sell that animal that i produced on my own right and and, yeah. and but that state won't help me get that animal here so i have new blood so we have healthy animals for the next 40 years right so mm-hmm. what what a dichotomy we have there right like you're yeah. telling me what to do with my hobby yet i don't get to tell you what you could possibly just a little bit do to make my hobby better as well that would benefit you in the end uh so yeah that's that's a tough part and, and we are we are going through what looks like maybe one of the tougher times though i know that in the early 80s possibly late 70s they went through tough times too uh the same thing happened in the 90s i'm sure we see uh alternative not being able to be collected until i think 2002 or something like that i don't know the exact date but you you went through times when these things changed the ebb and flow uh and that's through uh you know call your local congressman and and and, and, and stop voting with uh what you think is cool on facebook and maybe vote with your heart right think about what you're doing and that's the best i could say on that uh but then there's kind of the third aspect where where the community uh There's this huge weird thing happening in our community where people kind of poo-poo on what is known as like a pet tuber. And I know there's a lot of them. And and they're like, Yeah, well, I all these kids they come to the show and they they only wanted this, or you know, these people are asking about this. They ask if I've seen this this video. And it's like, yeah, but that kid wouldn't have been at the show. That kid wouldn't have seen your table. That kid would have never looked your page up on Facebook. That kid would have never known about you on Instagram if that didn't exist in the first place. And now we're in this digital age of social media where I can meet people like like Dr. Laughlin or, or Clint. You know, you know, I can I can literally message you right now and you'll mm-hmm. respond to me. Mm-hmm. What a what an amazing thing. And, and, and what, a, what, a, what, a, what a special time for us to be able to share our experiences. I mean, God, you know, when I, when I, when I first listened to a podcast, uh, it was Gecko Nation Radio. And I think around the same time, the NPR network listened to Eric and Owen. And, you know, it, it's so funny that Owen was like a kid, right? Yeah. And then you see him kind of flourish to this like crazy successful, you know, guy, Eric, uh, the, uh, you know, I'm a big NPR fan. Uh, but you know, see, seeing Eric go from uh, you know somebody whose whose who's collection ebbed and flowed and, and, and morphed into so many different things and so many different successes, but also failures, and being willing to talk about it, right? You, 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 these podcasts, these these YouTube pages, you, you're starting to see people willing to talk about their failures, right? Why don't we talk about our failures more? You learn more from a failure than you do from a success, right? One hundred percent. You can. You, you can Right? You could have a random success, but if you have consistent failures, you you can define what's going on. We can, we can define that, and now we have a community of people that we can do this together. Uh, so So I kind of love that about the hobby yeah, yeah, I get really upset when I see a Dingleberry holding a king cobra, right? Like probably shouldn't <laughs> do that. Uh, but also we, we, we were watching shows. We were, I was also watching Jackass when that came out, and you probably shouldn't do that either. And before that, it was the CKY videos, if anybody remembers that, old skateboarder uh, videos where they would, do, they would do stupid stuff. You shouldn't do that either, right? Like, you need to be able to define what's going on uh, for yourself. Uh, but one thing modern current herpers forget constantly is that there are people that have been doing this for your whole life.
1: Mm-hmm. These
2: words were wrote down for us. 30 40 50 years ago right respect your elders you don't need to do everything they do respect the elders you don't need to follow every single thing they say you could you could delineate from what they say you can change you could you can find your own way but don't sit here and say that their successes or their failures were unwarranted because they put work into and a lot of that information is free and god people just forget that it's it's you know what I mean? This is this is the age of information. It's all there, right? I, and yep. I don't I don't get I don't get bummed with somebody. T- you know, I get messages on Facebook or Instagram, or whatever. Like, how do I keep a court snake? And I'm like, you know what? Here's this video. Here's this video. Here's this video. You know, or here's this page. Check this page out. And it it, it does get tiring, and it can be annoying. And but that might be the next, you know, Kathy Love, right? I don't know. You know, somebody that's going to dedicate their life to this and, and, and make beautiful things and and share it with others with this positive attitude. Uh, so yeah, that would that would I guess that'd be my final thing. But I think the the, the hobby is going, it's going great places. But you might have to find those great places. It's going to have great people, but you're going to have to look for those great people. Uh, we we could do it as a hobby. We could be better as as a hobby. We can, but we can also do this as a family, and we can all enjoy these things together. If we just you know positive. If, if I'm happy and you message me, you're going to get a happy response. You know. Maybe if you're upset, somebody messages you. Don't respond, right? Take your time. Take that breather. You you deserved it. You earned it. We all have our life stressors, so you know take take that as you will. But I, I think there's a lot of good things that could come out of it, and, and I plan on seeing a lot of good things.
0: Well, there you go. I don't. That was a beautiful answer, Chris. Well done,
1: sir. <laughs> well done, sir. Well well done, done. sir.
0: <laughs> and it was it was it was pure pain shab where yeah you know. We end on a positive, happy note. So there you go. All right. Well, this was simply excellent. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, um, thank y'all for having me. Eh? Yeah. And even if it, if the recording craps out at this point, I don't care. We're gonna put it up. <laughs> we, we did it. We did it. We, yeah. we made it. Yeah. So uh, so if people want to talk to you about snakes, geckos, um, obviously colubrids, MRI, yeah. uh, where do they go and how do they find you?
2: Uh, easiest place right now would be Instagram. Uh, I'm trying to post more on Instagram. Uh, I, I don't. I don't post a lot. I'm, I'm there. I, I just, I'm, you know, I'm pooping and looking at, at memes, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I'm, I'm trying to post more so people can see more pictures of the animals. Uh, Facebook, you can you can reach out to Badlands or Pediculture. I kind of have just like a a page that exists. I don't. I don't. I don't sell animals on Facebook, and I don't think I'll ever start. Um, or my name, just Chris Painshop on Facebook. You can message me on any of that. Uh, I love talking reptiles. Uh, everybody knows that's messaged me i'm just i probably will just message you back until i pass out and then wake up and message you more uh and, and i think this year i i'm i'm gonna i'm good i promise myself i'm gonna make a morph market account mm-hmm. and i'm gonna post some snakes for sale this year uh i don't know which ones they may be and i may not actually do that but i'm gonna i'm gonna think about it <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah other than that, is, you know, Chris Bainshop, uh if you're a Facebook messenger, message me on Facebook. If you're on Instagram, look up Badlands for Pediculture. Uh, I, I promise I'm going to start posting more pictures of next. I'm going to do it.
0: Uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't do it. I yeah. just put I, – I I put a picture up, I don't know, every week or two. I, I, yeah. And that's it. Like so. I just opened I get my it.
2: phone. I have tw- – this in the last four years, I have twenty eight thousand and ninety two photos and nine hundred and ninety nine <laughs> videos, and I would tell you now that thirty percent are my daughter, uh, maybe twenty percent are just real life things, and fifty percent of those are reptiles.
0: There and you I go. I don't
2: post any of those pictures. Well, Zach, you're in the, you're in a group chat with me. You know, yeah. I just constantly send pictures.
0: Yep, your gloved hand. That's how I know it's yeah. your picture.
2: I always have gloves. <laughs> Hey, yep. You know what? Cross contamination, and then when you're allergic to uh, aspen, pine, mice, uh, probably all bites that exist. You know, you
0: wear gloves. Yep. How about that? All righty. Well, if um, if people want to find me, uh, I'm at um, Dr. Crawdad. If you're a listener by now, you know where to find me. If this is your first time, go ahead, like my page. I put up pictures of snakes, crayfish, and then occasionally family. So. Um, And then uh, Zach Loafman on Facebook. And then anybody interested in school and and doing this for two years, getting a degree out of it, um, you can certainly message me through the social media platforms and emails are fine as well. Uh, And
1: then, uh, Mr. Bartley, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook, uh, Metazotics, or me personally, Clint Bartley. Uh, On Instagram, it's Metazotics LLC. Um, And you can always check us out online at metazotics.com.
0: And, as always, we are proud members of the NPR network, so give some of the other podcasts a listen. Um, I'm excited. I don't know if it's dropped yet, but I can see behind the curtain and there's another Boas, Boas, Boas on the way, and that's one of my favorites. Um, So, yeah, give it a go. And, as always, whatever time of day it is, wherever you are, hope you're having a good one. And later.